the Slaughter in May podcast. As AI adoption increases and governments and regulators across the globe grapple with how best to regulate AI, Slaughter and May are producing a series of regulating AI thought pieces that will consider some of the legal issues that arise from developing and using AI solutions. Our first piece in the series was a podcast that considered the competition law considerations arising from the use of algorithms. You can find this podcast on our website. This next piece in the series focuses on AI and intellectual property. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our podcast on AI and intellectual property. I'm Richard Barker, a PSL in the intellectual property team at Slaughter and May, and I'm here with Laura Houston, one of the partners in our team. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here. So in this podcast, we're going to take a look at some of the key IP considerations and issues which come up in the context of AI. Now, we've all seen lots in the headlines about AI and how it will or is transforming our lives from helping tackle the big issues facing the human race, think climate change or curing cancer, to making the services we receive more tailored and efficient. It's how Netflix knows what show to suggest next. And we know that from a legal perspective, it raises a number of novel issues, and those include issues relating to IP. AI and IP is an area of law which we are increasingly discussing with our clients and which is catching the attention of legislators around the world. Here in the UK, the government and the UK Intellectual Property Office, or UK IPO as it's commonly known, have been looking closely at whether our current IP rules are fit for purpose in a digital age, in particular when looking at AI. And so a good place to start may be for me to ask you, Laura, why, given everything else that's going on at the moment, IP protection for AI is on the UK government's agenda? Well, to answer that, I think we first have to pause on where AI sits in the government's to-do list. So the UK government has made it clear that AI is a top priority in its plan to become what it calls the most pro-tech government ever. So it wants the UK to capitalise on what is already, to be fair, a pretty strong position on the global stage around AI development and AI investment I think we're currently third in that race behind China and the US. So we are, on one view of the world, already punching well above our weight. But the government is keen to continue to build on that success. And that's certainly played out in the UK's recent AI strategy, which talked about the government's desire to lead the world over the next decade as a genuine research and innovation powerhouse. So I think that's the headline objective from which all of this flows. And of course, as we know, robust IP protection is going to be central to achieving these fairly ambitious aims because IP encourages, it protects, it rewards innovation. And that in turn propels investment, research. So you get this virtuous circle effect. And I guess before we go any further, I should just mention as an aside that we we bandy the term AI around, but it has, in fact, proven to be pretty difficult to actually pin down. So we've seen some heavy criticism of the definition in the EU's draft AI legislation. So for today's purposes, and to keep things really simple for our discussion, I'm going to refer to AI intending it to mean computer systems that perform tasks that would usually require human input. So that ranges from things that we're all familiar with, like speech recognition, like translation, virtual assistants that we know and love, like Alexa, like Siri, to much more complex AI systems like DeepMind's AlphaFold project, which you might have seen in the news. So it uses AI and deep learning to determine the 3D shapes of protein strands. So there is a really broad spectrum of complexity here and indeed different use cases in which AI is being deployed. Thanks, Laura. And I agree the terminology can be a bit of a minefield, but there's definitely some really interesting AI projects out there. So you talked about the importance of IP to the UK government's AI strategy, but 
Is that not just the application of our existing IP frameworks? What's special or difficult about AI? Oh, I mean, where do we start? I mean, as with a lot of emerging technology, the development of AI has raised loads of IP questions such as should AI systems be protected by IP at all? And if so, how do we protect them? And then there are the questions around the outputs from AI systems. So should they also be protected? Who should own IP rights and things that are spat out by an AI system? Should ownership be reserved for humans or could AI itself be an owner? And then we shouldn't forget sort of questions of infringement, what risks might arise through development and use of AI. Can AI itself be liable for IP infringement or does ultimately the liability need to rest with a legal person? And I think it's fair to say in relation to all of these questions, we are finding ourselves assessing whether our current rules around IP work or whether changes are going to be necessary in order to address some of these specific issues, these specific challenges that are raised by AI. So I think it's just that age-old issue that it's almost impossible to entirely future-proof the law. So there are always going to be these unique challenges, these unique questions, which are raised by the application of our existing rules to something that wasn't contemplated or wasn't even in existence when those rules were originally cooked up. Well, it's clear there's a lot for us to talk about. Now, Laura, as you just said, there has been rapid innovation in AI, which has led to uncertainty as to how the existing legal framework can and should be applied to this new technology. And in the IP space, the UK IPO has been looking at AI specifically, and we've seen a variety of consultations, calls for views, and studies on AI and IP over the last couple of years. Can you tell us a bit more about what issues they've been considering? Yes, as you say, the IPO has been really busy in this space recently. They've been giving us lots to read. So we've seen the initial call for views on AI and IP, and that looked at AI in the context of all of the main IP rights and posed specific questions relating to patents, relating to copyright, design, trademark, trade secrets, the whole range. We then had the follow-up consultation, and that focused on copyright and patents specifically in the AI sphere. Since then, we've had a call for views on designs, and that also included specific questions relating to AI. And then most recently, we've had a study on IP and investment in AI. And it's interesting that you've mentioned a variety of IP rights there, as I think people often just think about copyright or patents in this space. Yeah, I mean, it's undoubtedly true that copyrights and patents rightfully get the lion's share of attention and coverage here when we're talking about IP and AI. But I think all of the IP rights that I've mentioned have some role to play here. But I think I mentioned above, there's this distinction that we should keep in our minds here when we start to delve into the detail between the AI system itself and then the outputs from that AI system. So they might engage different IP rights and they create different questions and different challenges for us to, to grapple with. So I think that's quite a useful distinction just to keep at the forefront of the discussion. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to flag Laura and one for us all to bear in mind throughout this podcast. So noting that, if we think about the different IP rights you mentioned, what are some of those AI-specific issues you've alluded to and do you think we're going to see any changes in the law around them? Should we start maybe by thinking about copyright that's one of the first rights you mentioned, and it's one which I know we often think about when we're talking about tech, software code, etc. Indeed. So, I mean, as you say, copyright is so often central to the question of IP protection and all things digital. So, as we know, copyright is a really important way that we protect software code, whether related to AI or not. And there are lots of reasons why it's relevant to AI. So I'm just going to focus on three things that the UK IPO has recently looked at as part of its consultation. So first, copyright protection for AI systems themselves. Second, I'm going to look at copyright protection for computer-generated works, and then I'm going to look 
at machine learning and um, text and data mining, which has also been a point of discussion in this context. So starting with the first of those points, copyright protection for AI systems where the code is written by humans. In some way, this is the easy one. It's just the application of our, of our existing mechanics. So as part of our closed list approach to copyright, protection is available for original literary works and the legislation. So the CDPA is explicit about the fact that that will include computer programs. So the relevant program or software must, of course, be the author's own intellectual creation, so the sort of baseline requirement for copyright protection. As we know, that's a relatively low threshold. And so in practice, source code for most computer programs, for AI systems or otherwise, will be protected by, by copyright. But what then if that code itself generates new code or other works. And that's where we start to get into the juicy stuff. And this was one of the key issues that the UK IPO has really zoned in on. So should a computer-generated work be capable of receiving protection or should such protection be reserved for human creators? Now, the UK is actually already one of only a handful of countries which talks about IP protection specifically for computer-generated works. So the CDPA already talks about what authorship means in the context of computer-generated works, including in the context of ownership questions, term of copyright, moral rights. That law is, however, now, what, 30-odd years old? Um, and it's fair to say that a lot has changed in that time. So a key question for the UA, UK IPO was, therefore, whether the current copyright protection for computer-generated works is still fit for purpose, whether that is still the right answer. And they looked at a few different options. They looked at making no legal changes, they thought about removing protection for computer-generated works entirely, or a sort of middle ground of replacing current protection with something entirely new but likely of, of reduced scope or duration. Ultimately, they chose to do nothing, so maintain the status quo, make no legal change, and they cited a couple of reasons for that. First, they said, well, there's no evidence that the current protection for computer-generated work is causing any problem, that it creates any harm, so why change something that isn't broken? And, and secondly, they said the impact of removing those current protections is just too uncertain. We're still in the early stages of seeing how AI is going to be used to produce creative content. So given where we are in that journey, I think they ultimately concluded that it wasn't appropriate to start reshuffling the deck and changing the landscape at this early stage. And I suppose deciding to keep things as they are was the most favourable position for AI out of the three options. And that supports the government's drive towards greater innovation and creativity and becoming a leader in AI more generally. That's not to say, however, that there aren't any issues with the current regime. For example, how does the concept of originality work in this context? But those are questions for another day. As an aside, it's also interesting that while a computer or AI can generate copyright protectable work, as things stand, English law doesn't consider AI to have a legal personality, and therefore AI itself can't own any IP in those works or be liable for any IP infringement that might arise in the course of generating them, either as part of training the AI system or during its later use. Yeah, that, I mean, that's right. Ultimately, the law, certainly in the UK, will always find its way back to a legal person. So in terms of infringement, exactly who might be liable will obviously always be a fact-specific assessment, but it's most likely to be the person that had control over the infringement. So, for example, in a development context, it could be the AI developer if copyright is being infringed in the course of training a system. It could even be a user if the AI generates a requested work and it's that requested work that infringes another's copyright. So it's going to be very much dependent on the facts at hand. But as a result, something that we are very much alive to is that any contracts which are relating to AI, relating to use of AI, 
always need to very carefully consider the question of liability and make sure it's really clear in the face of the contract how that risk is allocated between the parties. I think that links nicely into the final point on copyright you said you'd discuss around text and data mining. Yes, indeed, keeping me on track. That is something that we are increasingly being asked to advise upon. So training AI often involves a process known as text and data mining or TDM for short. So a process of throwing a load of data into a computer system in order for the system to analyze that information, to spot patterns, to spot trends. Because in doing so, you're teaching the AI effectively to properly interpret the data, to learn from the data. And that thereby increases its accuracy when the system then seeks to perform a task. So it is effectively the training wheels of an AI system is absolutely sort of critical to its development. Now, unsurprisingly, the data, the information that is used in that TDM process may well be protected by copyright. So it might consist of things like artwork, books, you might be feeding in music, photographs, all sorts. And in order to analyse that information, the AI system is usually reproducing the underlying work in some shape or form and making a copy. So if the work is unlicensed, if the work contains copyright protected material, there is sort of almost necessarily a risk of infringement there by copying. Now, that is obviously something that AI developers are very much alive to. They are not blind to that risk and they recognise the need to, to seek to mitigate that. There are some obvious ways of trying to do that. So, for example, trying to ensure that the materials that are being used are no longer protected by copyright. That is unlikely to be feasible in the vast majority of circumstances. Um, Or obtain licenses from the copyright owners to avoid the infringement risk. But again, that's likely to be a pretty unwieldy, possibly practically impossible task. Um, And you're then at the mercy of a third party who might see dollar dollar signs, etc. So not... Um, a panacea for all ills there. However, it is worth noting that there are relevant exceptions baked into the legislation here. So the most useful one being the one that is specifically for text and data analysis. So that sits in section 29A of our copyright legislation, the CDPA. And this exception was introduced back in 2014, and it provides a specific defence to copying a work in order to carry out a computational analysis of anything recorded in that work. So that sounds like a bit of a slam dunk, really. That is exactly what's happening with a TDM process. But it is subject to certain conditions being met. And critically, one of those conditions is that the copying is done for non-commercial purposes, which, unsurprisingly, can be pretty problematic for most AI developers. But it looks like this is all about to change. So the UK IPO has just looked at this exception specifically as part of its consultation on AI and IP and has decided to introduce a new exception that does allow TDM for any purpose, so without that non-commercial limitation. So clearly great for business, great for AI developers, probably great for the government's overriding objective in terms of its AI strategy. Obviously not such great news for rights owners, particularly as it looks like they will not be able to opt out as they can in the EU. So Perhaps unsurprisingly, we've therefore seen a fair bit of pushback on this expansion, particularly from creative industries who are concerned about what they see as being this unjustified incursion on their rights. So they consider there's already sufficient cooperation and that rights holding developers rub along quite nicely. So this proposed expansion is unnecessary and really a bit of a blunt tool for what it's trying to achieve. So against that backdrop, I think it does still remain to be seen exactly how things are going to pan out here. One possibility is that rights holders might seek to take back control and use technological measures or paywalls in order to give them increased control over the distribution, the dissemination of their protected works. 
And that will help them because based on what we've seen, the UK IPO is still going to require that access to the materials is lawful in the first place. Um, and so technological measures or paywalls might help a rights holder to um, to just keep a handle on that. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. At this stage, it's still not entirely clear when we can expect to see the proposed change in the law. So for now, we just need to remember that the exception remains limited to TDM for non-commercial purposes. But it's definitely something for people involved in the AI field to keep their eyes on. Before we move on from this topic, is it worth just briefly touching on database rights? Yeah, we probably should. I mean, it's really just to flag that the IPO has said that this new TDM exception will apply not just to copyright, but also to sue I generous database rights. So as you'll recall, those are the rights that protect the content of a database, whereas copyright has historically been focused on protecting the structure of a database. So seeking to extend the exception in this way, I think, would help to ensure that we we have sort of consistency across IP rights and we don't have this gap in the scope of defences. Okay, let's move on to patents now. So a patent can be a very important right for an AI developer but it's not one that we always think about here in the UK. Um, it's interesting to note that in its recent study on IP and investment in AI, the UK IPO reported that interview participants from the technology sector shared a common misconception that core AI software is not patentable. So this is the age-old debate in the context of software. It all stems from the Patents Act, so the key piece of patent legislation in the UK, which states on its face that computer programs as such are excluded from patentability. So people tend to cling to that and say, therefore, no chance of being able to get patent protection um, for software. But it's a lot more nuanced than that. In fact, there is a body now of really quite complex case law, which has been developed on the meaning of the exclusion. And ultimately, what that boils down to is that software-related inventions, including, for our purposes, AI systems, can be patented if, crucially, they provide a technical contribution, and that's subject to certain rules and limitations. Now, these rules are the same for AI as they are for any other computer-implemented invention, and there's probably a whole separate podcast worth of content on exactly what that all means, but suffice to say that it is definitely not the case that AI software is never patentable. Yeah, I think that's right, and the UK IPO grants lots of patents for computer and software-implemented inventions, including in the field of AI. Yeah, quite. That's not, however, to say that all... AI inventions will be patentable. So to give an example, and as was pointed out by various respondents to the UK IPO's consultation, AI algorithms which have been applied to image processing have been found to qualify for patent protection, whereas AI algorithms applied to text processing are excluded. Now, all of that might seem a bit arbitrary um, and might feel quite difficult to align in terms of making the cases line up with one another with a consistent message. So the English courts have come up with a few signposts to try to help us to determine whether a software-implemented invention will in fact be patentable. And these are things like whether the software has an effect on a process outside of the computer, or whether it results in the computer operating in a new way or makes the computer better in the sense of being more efficient, etc. So, for example... If a piece of computer software or an AI invention has a technical effect on a process outside of the computer, so let's take, say, an automatic method of selecting a contactless payment to avoid the annoying problem of card clash, that external effect means that the computer software or the AI invention is less likely to be excluded. But it is a little bit of a minefield. The government has acknowledged that this isn't the easiest area of law um, and has rightly, I think, concluded that more clarity around when this ex exclusion will apply is going to be necessary for 
AI inventors. So they have promised to publish enhanced IPO guidelines on patent exclusion practice for AI inventions and indeed to engage with AI interested sectors as part of that process, which I think will be you know really quite illuminating. But another watch this space for now. We also shouldn't forget about the other patent exclusions either. So even if an AI invention is deemed to be more than a computer program as such, it might still fail if it's directed to, for example, a mathematical method or a method of doing business. And likewise, obviously, you won't get a patent if your AI invention fails any of the other standard patent hurdles, such as novelty, inventive step or sufficient disclosure. Yeah, exactly. So you still got to tick all of those boxes and meet all of those other base requirements. Now, I mean, I think this patentability topic can all feel a little bit arbitrary in terms of whether or not your AI invention will be patentable, whether you can seek protection in that way. Rightly or wrongly, it does seem to have a real-world impact on a proposition's viability. So many investors, particularly US-based, will have a sort of hard and fast rule that innovative organisations must have patents or they must have made patent applications before there will be sort of investor appetite, before they'll be willing to invest. Now, according to the UK IPO study, that's because patents are seen by investors as being an endorsement of the AI. So the granting authority saying, yep, this is this is good stuff and they are saleable assets in the event that the organisation stops trading. Of course, we all know that logic doesn't necessarily hold. So a patent may well not be worth the paper that it's written on. And it certainly shouldn't be construed as a sort of badge of success or approval for the tech itself. But it is, I think, much to the frustration of many, proving tricky to prize investors away from that sort of supposed comfort blanket of patent protection. So if you are unable to obtain patent protection, I think particularly frustrating for startups, it can be really difficult to bring in that external investment, rightly or wrongly. I think that's right. And and, and talking about situations in which you can't get patent protection... It's also currently not possible for an AI system to be named as an inventor for patent purposes, even if it did generate the invention. And this issue has been considered by the English courts, as well as many foreign courts in the Thaler-Dabbas line of cases, which I know many people are aware of. And in those cases, the courts pretty much all held that an inventor must be a natural person. But it was also something that the UK government looked at as part of its potential reforms, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, perhaps unsurprisingly, given the amount of noise around this subject more generally. But yes, the UK IPO did look at this question as part of its consultation on AI and IP. The outcome of the consultation was that for now, there should be no change to UK patent law. And so AI systems will still not be able to be named as inventors in the same way that AI systems can't be authors of copyright. So it is at least consistent. But the general view is that AI is not really yet sufficiently advanced to truly invent without some degree of human intervention. And therefore, because there is necessarily some degree of human intervention, the current UK patent laws are fit for purpose to protect AI-assisted inventions. And the UK IPO was also rightly, I think, hesitant to change the law here, to change the law on inventorship without there being consensus on an international level just because of the difficulties that could otherwise be created in relation to international patent filings. I mean, you can imagine things becoming incredibly complicated and chaotic if we adopted a different approach to fundamental questions of inventorship to the wider international community, particularly given unified patent filing procedures like the PCT. I think it would just become a sort of almighty mess. I agree with that. Okay, so we've talked about copyright and patents, and we've briefly mentioned database rights. 
What other rights or protections can companies seek to rely on in relation to their AI? I suppose design rights are another one to bear in mind. I think they are the slightly neglected sibling in this conversation within the legal world and possibly understandably so. I mean, given that design rights essentially seek to protect the appearance of a product, computer programs themselves are excluded from design protection. But that doesn't mean they are entirely relevant in an AI context. So, for example, AI technologies might be involved in creating new designs and indeed some elements of AI software might also be protectable by design rights, such as graphical user interfaces. So within the context of design rights, we have both the Registered Designs Act 1949, so that's the legislation that deals with UK registered design rights, and we also have um, the CDPA, which provides for protection for UK unregistered designs. Now, they both contain specific provisions which identify who the author or the designer will be for computer-generated work. So essentially, the person who made the arrangements necessary for the creation of the design will be the author of the work. And this effectively mirrors the position in copyright. So it's generally understood that this wouldn't allow AI to be the author or the owner of a registered or an unregistered UK design because AI doesn't have legal personality. And this position was supported by the responses that the UK IPO received to its call for views on designs earlier this year. So majority of responses also came to the conclusion that, that was the right approach. Um, but as with lots of things in this space, the UK IPO has confirmed in its wider consultation on IP and AI that it will continue to monitor the situation as AI systems develop and our use of these systems develops, particularly in the context of design processes. Possibly just two other sub-points worth flagging here, if I may. So firstly, there are currently no equivalent computer-generated designs provisions in relation to supplementary unregistered designs. So we just have to be careful of not falling into the trap of assuming that that is entirely consistent across all design rights because those supplementary unregistered designs... And you might recall those are the ones that were created as a result of Brexit. They offer equivalent UK protection to what was previously available for unregistered community designs. They don't go into this computer-generated design position. So I think we can probably expect to see that harmonised at some point, particularly if there is a move to a single unregistered design right, but that's the position as at today. And just one other point worth flagging is that we talk about the rules around who will be treated as the author or the designer of computer-generated designs as if that's all very straightforward and easy to apply. Of course, the reality is that that can create a whole plethora of issues when you try to apply those rules to practical scenarios. You mean in terms of how do you go about identifying the person who made the necessary arrangements? Exactly. I mean, that's often not a straightforward question to answer, and that applies both in the design right context but also in the copyright context. I've got some sympathy with that. Last, lastly, I'm just conscious we haven't really talked about trademarks. Should people be thinking about those too for AI? They're clearly of less relevance. I mean, the UK IPO did consider whether AI could become a purchaser such that the average consumer assessment would need to take AI into account. They also considered whether any special treatment is required to contemplate AI being an infringer. But ultimately, they concluded that the AI systems and AI world is not yet sufficiently developed to impact core legal concepts of trademark law in that way, and therefore they concluded that the current regime is fit for purpose. Having said that, there are still some interesting points to consider from a legal perspective. So, for example, when we think about assessment of confusion, similarity, things like whether phonetic and oral comparisons might become more relevant than visual elements, because we are looking more at voice assistant technologies becoming more prevalent within society. 
And of course, there is just the obvious base relevance of trademarks in that registered trademarks will be used to protect names and brands of companies involved in AI, indeed of products, AI systems, but that is all just application of our good, well-known rules around trademark protection. But before we wrap up, I also just wanted to mention confidentiality. So whilst it's not technically an IP right, AI developers should also be considering whether they simply should be keeping their AI systems confidential. That's a good point to raise. Confidentiality is one of those rights that people often forget about, um, but it can be really valuable. I mean, as an example, Google's famous search algorithm is protected as a trade secret so we can see where the value might lie. Yeah, and one of the key protections of using confidentiality or trade secrets is that there is no time limit to protection. So provided certain criteria are being met, such as the information remaining confidential and for trade secrets that it's still commercially valuable, you still can maintain your protection. And it's not an insignificant advantage. There is no time-consuming or costly procedure to go through in order to secure that protection. But as with everything else, there are challenges associated with seeking to protect AI in this way. So AI systems are often built on existing technology. They often use open source code, wide distribution, and therefore it might be sort of totally fictional to suggest that you can therefore keep the information within them confidential. Additionally, unlike patent protection, as we know, confidentiality, trade secret protection, that doesn't give you monopoly rights. So Competitors are therefore entirely free to independently create the information that you are otherwise seeking to protect and you'll have no recourse in that scenario. And possibly most fundamentally, there is, of course, always a risk that confidentiality may be breached. And once information is out there, it is usually impossible to put that genie back in the bottle. So you're just left with a breach of confidence action against someone who might not have very deep pockets. But it is definitely another tool in the armory that we should keep in mind when thinking about how best to protect AI. Thank you so much, Laura, for that whistle-stop tour of AI and IP law. I think we're just about up for time now, but there's plenty of food for thought. Absolutely. I mean, from an IPO government perspective, this is going to continue to be a hot topic for the foreseeable as we watch this space. Legislative change, changes in the way in which we use AI and the way in which it's deployed within society. There is a general theme of needing to see how AI is going to develop. So I think this really is just the start of a long process of assessing the suitability of our current regime for the new world that we that we find ourselves in. And from what we've seen to date, it looks like the UK will be adopting an AI-friendly stance. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out and whether other jurisdictions follow suit. Thanks, Laura. It's been fascinating to get your thoughts on this, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. Thanks very much. Demonstrating the fast-paced nature of AI developments in this space, since this podcast was recorded, the government has indicated that it will no longer be proceeding with the proposed new TDM exception for copyright and database rights. We've also seen the UK IPO publish a new set of guidelines clarifying how it will examine patent applications for inventions relating to AI, and the Supreme Court has heard an appeal by Dr Thaler in the Dabas patent case, considering whether AI can be an inventor for patent purposes. Look out for further thought pieces and insights from our Regulating AI series. Over the coming months, we will be discussing issues arising in areas such as employment, data protection, financial regulation and ESG. For more information on this topic or to hear our other podcasts, please visit www.slaughterandmay.com. You can also subscribe to the Slaughter and May podcast on iTunes or Google Play.